the mornings. I don't say a whole lot till the service is halfway done, so didn't get to greet everybody. Instead of playing life to win, so many people live like they're playing not to lose. They're playing like they're not wanting to lose in life. Let me, let me explain what I'm saying by using a football analogy. When a football team gets ahead in the game and it's later in the, the game, sometimes the coach will change the way they play. They may have jumped in the lead by throwing a lot of passes, but give them a lead and put it at near the end of the game and a team may stop passing and begin slowing things down by running the ball. Now the idea behind running the ball is it's going to take more time off the clock, leaving the opposing team with less time to score. In other words, less time to catch up. And it makes sense. And it does work. But not always. If they don't run the ball well, the team in the league can do the very thing that they didn't want to do, which is to give the opposing team the ball back with a lot more time to score. Another thing can happen late in a football game when a team is winning. They might go on defense in what is called a prevent defense. And for our non-football people here today, uh, a prevent defense means you back up your people. You're just trying basically to protect the goal line so they don't score. And you're going to give them a few more yards on each play, but you don't want to give up a big play. Again, it can work, but not always. And in both of these cases, changing the offense or changing the defense, the football team, and you could say, is playing not to lose. They may abandon the very things they were doing which put them in the position to win in the first place. And my own personal opinion is I hate to see a team play prevent de defense. I hate them to slow down their offense. But that is how a lot of people live. We have a prevent approach to life. We play it safe. We don't take risks. When a great opportunity presents itself, we're suspicious. The old saying, it's better to be safe than sorry. We would rather live a, a quiet, safe life than be adventurous and the least bit risky. And I have to admit, I'll be the first one to tell you that sometimes I play it safe. I can talk a good game, but too often I overthink everything to try and minimize my risk of failure. When that happens, I'm setting myself up for missing an opportunity. I'm being safe. I'm perhaps giving up on the adventure. I've learned, though, that the older we get, the more likely we are to play it safe. And I'll stand up here and tell you, I'm trying to change that by myself. The older I get, the more I want to have adventures, the more I want to experience the joy of walking in faith, taking some risks. Playing it safe also happens in a church far, far too often. When a church dies, it doesn't always mean that the people in the church don't love the Lord. It can be a very Christ-centered church. 
But churches, not all the time, but sometimes churches die because they play it too safe. They're afraid to take a step in faith. They're afraid to take a risk for the Lord. A well-known pastor once said this. He said, we're so afraid of making the wrong decision that we make no decision. And no decision is a decision. It's called indecision. And we miss out on serving God. We miss out on reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, before anybody starts thinking, well, what's Pastor Mark doing? I'm, I'm not suggesting that we get all crazy. I'm not suggesting that we ignore the wisdom that God has given us. We should. God's given us wisdom. We should use that. But what I am saying is that there are times when playing it safe actually shows a lack of faith. Playing it safe can cause us as individuals to miss out on a dream that perhaps Jesus has put on our heart. We might miss out on being used by God. Playing it safe for a church can cause a church family to fall short of its mission to love people, to impact our community, and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I've been around a long time, and I know many churches die a slow death because they're afraid of risking it for Christ. Instead of always playing it safe, a faithful person, a faithful church should take a look at the disciple Peter. You know anything about the disciple Peter? You know he always didn't play it safe. Earlier, Sarah read to us from Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 to 33, and in that passage, Peter stepped out in faith. It was a bold move. It wasn't foolish, especially if you had read the verses just prior to our passage. You see, Jesus had just finished the miracle of feeding 5,000 with two fish and five loaves. That was impressive. That was incredible. That was amazing. But what is even more impressive is that after everyone had stuffed their faces with fish and bread, Matthew tells us they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, as I reread that passage this week, I got to thinking about, think what Jesus could do for our Thanksgiving meal in a few months. One turkey leg, one green bean, and a sweet potato could feed the largest of families. Well, anyway, after this miracle, Matthew continued saying that Jesus immediately made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he was going back to dismiss the crowds. And then Jesus went alone to pray. We're told later that told later in the evening the boat with the disciples was very far from the shore. It was being beaten by the waves because the wind was against them. And scholars estimate that the disciples were probably about three miles out into the lake. It wasn't a calm night at sea. They were battling against waves and a headwind. And they saw Jesus coming to them, and they were terrified. And in the next verses, Peter got out of the boat. Peter didn't play it safe. And this passage shows us, as Christians, how we can stop playing it safe when it comes to following Jesus. And if we're going to stop playing it safe, it actually begins with listening. we got to listen. And listening, I think, has become 
a lost art in our society today. We've got way, way too many things to distract us. Just this past week, I had, I had lunch with an old friend named Kurt, and Kurt is an optometrist. He's a missionary that we actually support uh, here at Bethesda and actually keep him in prayer because he just left to go back to Jordan um, this weekend. Well, Kurt, Kurt's one of the best listeners that I have ever met. When you're talking to Kurt, he is focused on you. He doesn't interrupt. His eyes are fixed on your eyes. And when you finish talking, there's this pregnant pause before Kurt may comment. And when he comments, his comments show that he was totally in tune with what you're saying. Kurt is awesome. But for many years, I have to admit that Kurt made me feel very uncomfortable. I wasn't used to people listening to me that carefully. The way he looked into my eyes made me uncomfortable. And it also made me apprehensive about the things I was saying because he was listening. Now, I'm not always a good listener. You can ask my wife. When I'm watching a baseball game or a movie on TV or I'm involved in something, I don't listen. Others of us get busy on our phone or our iPad and our computer and we tune out the world. Sometimes when we're in a conversation, we concentrate on what we want to say instead of listening to what the other person is saying. And listening can be a challenge. And it's bad enough that we don't listen to each other, but what's worse is we often don't listen to God. God speaks. God talks to us every day. God speaks to us through the Bible, our circumstances, other people, and through prayer and the Holy Spirit. And we don't listen. If we would just become better listeners to God, I think our lives would look different. And it was a lesson that Peter was going to learn. I want to go back to our scene from the passage. I want you to imagine this scene from our reading. The waters are battering the boat. The 12 men are fighting against the waves and the wind, and it was really late or really early, depending on how you look at it. It it was somewhere between 3 and 6 in the morning. The disciples were wet. They were cold. They were tired. It had been a long, long day of ministry. And then one of them noticed something coming towards them on the water. He shouts, it's a ghost. Now, the Greek word that we translate as ghost is phantasma. Sounds familiar, but it means spirit, appearance, or apparition. And it's not shocking if you think about it, the disciples thought they saw a ghost. They were vulnerable. They had just witnessed this amazing miracle of feeding the 5,000. They'd been on the mountaintop. It was a spiritual experience, and now they were coming down. And when you come down from the mountain, if you've ever been on that mountain, a spiritual high, you know that Satan likes to attack you. He wants to bring you down, and so the disciples thought that an evil spirit was headed towards them. Of course, we know that the one coming was Jesus, and he calmed their fear. Jesus said, take heart, it is I, it's me, don't be afraid. The words Jesus used when he said, it is I, are ego ami, which come from the Greek, meaning I am. Sounds familiar because I am is the same phrase God used when he spoke to Moses 
through the burning bush. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey guys, it's me. It's your Lord. It's God. I'm, I'm coming to you. And Peter listened. He said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. If Peter had any fears at that moment, they were erased. And in the next moment, we see one of the many reasons why I think so many of us love Peter. Think about it this way. Peter figured if Jesus could walk on the water, and if Jesus called him to walk on the water, maybe Peter could walk on the water. You have to admire the, the bold spirit that he had. And, and Jesus said to him, come. It was a clear, simple command. And Peter obeyed. And I've discovered from the, the Bible in my own life, when it comes to listening to God, he really doesn't make it that difficult. God doesn't typically require our attention for hours and hours at a time. He doesn't provide pages of directions when he calls us. God makes his purpose clear as he says, come, or follow me, or quit, or start, or surrender, or love, or forgive, or give, or listen, or speak, or move. Most of the time, I believe we know what we should quit or start. We know where we need to surrender. We know who we need to love and to forgive. And we know those first steps that we're being called to take. The problem is taking that next step. Jesus called. Peter listened. Peter moved. Not Playing it safe requires us to move. We've got to act. We can't keep talking about it. We've got to do something. And that's where individuals and the church often fails. We can have a great vision. God can put something on our heart. We want to do it. We make amazing plans. We vow we're going to follow God. And then it comes time to act, and we quit. We play it safe. And that's sad. And that's disappointing, and we should repent of that. Matthew wrote, Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. Think about those six words. Peter got out of the boat. That's amazing. That's incredible. Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water. Who wouldn't want to do that? Think a little more about what those words are saying. There were big waves. The water was deep. The water was cold. I bet it was wet. It was dark outside, and Peter got up, stepped out of the boat, and into, or should I say, onto the water. That's crazy. I don't think he was wearing a life vest. I don't think he had those arm floaties on. Peter was like you and me. If I went home this afternoon and went to a pool and tried to walk on the water, I'd sink pretty quickly. That's a fact of science. And it just shows you that God is above science because God invented science. God defines science. And if he wants to break his own rules of science, he can do it. He can do it. There's a, a powerful line from an old movie that's titled, We Bought a Zoo. 
If you haven't seen the movie, it's based on a true story about a British writer, a guy named Benjamin Mee, who rescued a failing zoo while coming to terms with his life as a widower and a single father. And the one thing I remember about that movie is one line, and the line is this. Sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. That's all it takes to get moving for God. 20 seconds of insane courage. That's all it took Peter to get out of the boat. 20 seconds of insane courage. That's all it can take for us as individuals to change our life. 20 seconds of insane courage. And of course you need to combine that insane courage with a strong faith in Jesus Christ. And it only takes about 20 seconds then for a church to decide to faithfully move forward as they follow God's leading. As a church and individuals, we should every day get up and ask God for such insane courage as we try to follow him. Peter moved. Peter was walking on the water. And then something happened, didn't it? Peter lost his focus on Jesus. And not playing it safe requires us to focus on the Lord. Matthew wrote this, he said, but when, the, when Peter saw the wind... He was afraid and he began to sink. He took his eyes off Jesus, he looked at the circumstances, and he was afraid. And I think this probably is a favorite verse of people who love to play it safe. They'll make sure that you, when you read this story, that you know that Peter sank. They may tell you when you've got an opportunity, when you want to do something, that you're going to sink. And sometimes you will fail. Sometimes they're right. And I've learned this, and I've actually relearned it this week, because all I can say is that is a poor excuse for not trying. We need to hear those words. We need to listen to those words. And the truth, though, is that we fail many times because we take our eyes off Jesus. We look around and, and realize there is no way in the world we should be doing what we're doing. And let me, get, let me give you some examples. You find yourself sharing faith with a non-believer. And it's going really well, and then all of a sudden you realize that, oh my gosh, I'm really doing it. I am sharing my faith with this person, and I can't do that. And you stop talking. And you change the subject. They may have wanted to hear a lot more, but you got nervous. You lost your faith, and you quit. You lost your focus. You played it safe. Or maybe you signed up to volunteer for a ministry and God called you to do it and it required you to leave your comfort zone. You were all set to move forward and then in an instant you lost your focus on Jesus and decided, you know, I can't do that. I don't have the time. I'm not equipped. And we quit before we ever get started. Or maybe a church has been called by God to begin a new ministry or a renovation project or to change the way they do things, to look more outside. Momentum is building and the church starts looking to God. But then they realize, we can't do this. We don't have the money. We're too small. Our congregation's too old. We don't have the leadership. We don't have whatever. And, and what if we would fail? 
and we don't play it safe, we're going to fail sometimes. We might even fail when we're still focusing on Jesus. Peter failed. At times the disciples failed. But the greatest failure, the greatest failure is when we believe God's calling us to do something and we refuse to step out in faith. That's failure. Peter started to sink. But what other disciple could say that they walked on the water? Not a single one. Peter walked on water. If we don't play it safe as we follow Jesus, we're going to do some things that are amazing. It'll be worth the risk, even if we start to sink. We can also learn something else from Peter. When we think we're sinking, we ask. We ask God for help. When Peter started to sink, he shouted out in fear and trust. He said, Lord, save me. And those words are among the most important words that we can ever utter. Those are the words of a people or a person who's trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Those are the world's words we cry out when the world is crashing down. Lord, save me is our prayer when we're afraid. Lord, save me are the words that Jesus is always longing to hear. And look what happens when Peter cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reached out took his hand, and lifted him up. Jesus saved Peter. And Jesus will save you. And Jesus will save me. The challenge, the obstacle, or even the difficult time we're facing may not disappear. It may still be there. But Jesus will carry you through it. And Jesus can also use a saving, uh, a saving moment like that to teach us. He said to Peter, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why do we doubt? Why would we ever doubt Jesus? And, and I'm sure we have our reasons. Your reasons may be different than mine. The truth is, is that we have no reason to ever doubt Jesus. He won't abandon you. He won't let you be destroyed. Jesus may let you fail, and it may hurt, and you may think it was a mistake, but in our failures, that's the opportunity to learn. That's an opportunity to grow. That's an opportunity to rely more on Jesus. Because in the end, he will save you. And when we don't play it safe, the end result is worshiping God. We worship. Those in the boat that night worshipped Jesus. They realized who he was. They called him the Son of God. You know, when you and I don't play it safe, we're going to know God more deeply. We'll see the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in the lives of those people around us. And we'll praise the name of Jesus to the glory of the Father. It's in worship, a life of worship, that we experience God. I want to leave you with one last thought. We're all in a boat. The culture we live in is like a bunch of waves beating against us, rocking the boat. We're afraid we might sink sometimes. As Bible-believing Christians, the, the winds of society are certainly against us. But Jesus is with us. 
Jesus is calling us to get out of the boat and do something special for him. Now the fact is, I don't know what he's calling you to do. But he's calling you. And if you already don't know, or if you don't know what God's calling you to do, just ask him. He will show you. The question is, are you willing to step out of the boat in faith? Jesus is calling this church to love people without expecting anything in return. We're to be an impactful force in our community. We're to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's, it's pretty straightforward. But the question comes to all of us, are we as a church willing to step out of the boat? You know, there are endless things that Jesus would have us do. Simple things. Maybe some big things. But we have to stop playing it safe. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes we look at the disciples and we think, what amazing faith. Peter steps out of a boat. He takes a step in faith. He could have drowned. And we wonder how he did it. It was through faith. But God, we also thank you that you gave us the, the message that we see in Peter's life a lot of times, and we know that Peter failed. Peter would make a bold statement and follow it up with something really goofy. We're a lot like Peter. Help us. Help us this morning as individuals. Help us as this church known as Bethesda E. Free Church be a church that doesn't play it safe, that's willing to boldly step forward to serve you, to love people in Jesus' name, to make disciples to make a difference. These times we live in are hard. These times we live in our country are becoming more and more against you. It's time for Christians to stand up and be counted. It's time for Christians to stand on the truth and do so in love and compassion. It's time to not be afraid. It's time to stop playing it safe. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us the strength, that you would help our faith grow, and that we would boldly declare the truth of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you're able, please stand as the worship team comes forward.